This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today is National Name Your Car Day, which is perfect because we have two special guests who not only named a van, but they tried to live in it. Thinking about selling the house and snuggling up with someone on the open road? Wow, we got you covered because today we welcome from the Mad Money Monster blog and podcast, Harrison and Lisa. First, we'll rev up the show with a headline about multi-level marketing. A recent media piece says that MLM pros use the same recruiting techniques used by cults. We'll share details, plus throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener and... Yeah, you guessed it. Save time for my incredible trivia. And now, two guys who both need to get busy naming their cars. I mean, what do you call a Saturn view except mechanic-friendly? It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Mechanic Friendly is a nice name for my car. Joke's on you. If you've got three brand new leases, you don't have to pay for maintenance. That's that. There it is. That is the financial tip of the day right there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Losing Money Hand Over Fist with Car Dealers. I am Joe Salci. I have Joe Money on Twitter. And across the table from me, Mr. I Need to Name My Cars, it's the OG. Hey, do you actually have a named named vehicle? Like that was a thing, wasn't it? I do not. Cheryl called her Jetta, called her Jetta the blueberry, just because shock of shocks, it was blue. Aren't blueberries kind of purple? They really, it was a misnomer. I kept telling her all along, misnamed car. Yeah. Or fruit, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, My dad was a truck driver. His dad was also a truck driver, car hauler, and they named their, you know, their big semi trucks. And that, like painted them and all that sort of that stuff. That kind of like makes had sense. little things on the side. That kind of makes sense to me because you pretty much live in those rigs. We did. Yeah. <laughs> like literally for a while, I yeah. remember. I bet those were masterpieces they made on the side of the trucks. Mm. Thanks to Masterworks for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Masterworks is the first art investment platform that allows you to invest in the world's most valuable paintings. Visit masterworks.io and reserve your shares. Fantastic show today. You know, we talked about your dad and your relatives living in their rig. You know, these people that just think van life is incredible. Van life does sound pretty incredible, doesn't it? Like just getting in a van 
go live down by the river. Wouldn't that be awesome? For some people, it sounds like an amazing way to uh, traverse these United States. We're going to talk to Harrison and Lisa today, who are upstairs talking to mom right now about their experience with with van life because they dug in, man. They tried it out. I can't get my kids from school to home without turning the van into a disaster area. So I can't figure out like how I would do that at any longer trip other than, you know, other than like four miles. You're, so. you're telling your friends, you're like, no, I don't live in it. I swear to God, we don't live in this. I swear we don't. It's like, didn't I just wash this thing? How are their Cheerios ground up in the carpet already? Like it's, no one's been in here. The miracle of children. What's funny is, is that my son is 24, came home last week and uh, doesn't matter. Six years old, 24 years old. I think it's something to do with mom and dad's house. You know, I'm just going to like everywhere he goes, kitchen, bedroom he stayed in, all that stuff. We got a great show today. We got Harrison Lisa talking about somebody who really lived in a van. But first, we got some great headlines. So let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from the Huffington Post. This is written by Casey Bond. Uh, found this interesting. OG uh, Taylor, our producer of this fine show, found this piece. How MLMs, multi-level marketing companies, and cults use the same mind control techniques. Did you see this piece? <laughs> no. A former Mary Kay consultant recounts how the multi-level marketing company kept her loyal, even though she wasn't making any money. Caitlin Ruiz, a 30-year-old resident of Tucson, Arizona, first got involved in multi-level marketing companies in her early 20s, also known as MLMs, businesses like Mary Kay, Tupperware, Amway, Arbonne, uh, Alularoe, and a host of other companies, employ consultants who sell products directly to the public as well as recruit new members. Ruiz was attending school, working full-time, and like many 20-somethings, searching for a fulfilling career. A coworker introduced her to Mary Kay, an MLM that sells makeup and beauty products in 2012. The coworker set up a lunch meeting with her, quote, upline, the person that recruited her into the company to pitch Ruiz on joining them. She said all the right things, Ruiz said. Ruiz was promised flexibility, the ability to stay home with her future children, and the opportunity to build a business that would eventually allow her to quit working completely. Ruiz also had a lot of student debt she wanted to pay off, and her coworkers' upline assured her she could put an extra four or $500 a month toward her loans by working for Mary Kay. They promise you the world and all the flexibility you want. They make it seem like this big secret that nobody knows about, Ruiz says. I fell for it. MLMs hook people with the promise of becoming independent business owners with unlimited earning potential, but for many, getting caught up in an MLM turns out to be a nightmare, especially true for women who make up the majority consultants for these companies. Uh goes over saying that uh, between 73 and 99% of people in MLMs earn nothing. I actually think, and we'll get into the cult thing here in a second, because we'll, we'll start diving into that part of this piece. But I want to talk about MLMs for a second. I don't actually think the problem here, OG, is actually the product. And I don't think it is the, and maybe the companies endorse this discussion, but I get this feeling and this is just my personal take that with multi-level marketing companies, the barrier to entry is so low and people want to sign other people up so bad because the financial incentives of having people downline from you, people that you recruit and then they recruit those incentives are so big that you just tell people what they want to hear. And the bad news is 
I've never found a company. Like when people ask me about MLMs, you know, what do you think about Amway? My thought process is you're selling products to people, make sure the products are good. And if the products are good, then it could be a good company. The problem is not that. The problem is there's no such thing as a free lunch. And if the barrier to entry is really low, like it is for an Amway or a Mary Kay or any of these companies, you're competing against a lot of other people trying to do the same thing. And because of that, the sales are going to be harder. So instead of it being easier, it's actually easier to get involved, but it's actually harder to make sales because there's so much competition that could do the same thing. That's an interesting way to look at it. And you're probably right. I think if you look at where the vast majority of the money is made, traditionally, it's not in the product sales. It's in the fact that you have 73,000 people underneath you or whatever. And I guess by default, that ends up being product sales. But it's, it's, it's product sales of 73,000 people, not 73,000 products. So they're set up in a way, some of them, maybe most, but some, are set up in a way that the vast majority of the financial benefit comes from recruiting new members, regardless of the fact that that member may, him or herself, only you know sell a few things a month. And that's okay because as long as you have enough people, you're, quote, making it up on volume. Right. <laughs> you're, <doing the, laughs> you know, you're losing a little bit on each one, but you're making it up on volume type thing. So I think if you're a consumer of this, I remember this, maybe your mom had this too. You had the, the specific Mary Kay person. Like, oh, I can't use Beth because Julie's my Mary Kay person. Just, but they both go to church with me. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I'm with Julie. Yeah. There, you know, there was several people in your circle, you know, that you could reach out to. My mom used to uh, sell crystal, you know, back in the way back in the day. My mom sold a, uh, a thing called home, home Interiors, where they did parties and they had all this, this classic uh, stuff that you could buy to put on your walls. Um, mm-hmm. And so she would go and do a Home Interiors party and she would pay me a little bit of money to carry the stuff. To My DJ. Mom- oh. Mom has a bad back, as you know, so I would I would go in and help her set the stuff up and then take it apart, and I would go do my homework, and I always hoped, by the way, in somebody's basement that they had like cable TV, because back in the day, if they had cable TV, or even better than that, if they had like an Atari or an Intellivision, because we didn't have one, like that was going to be an amazing night. My homework wouldn't get done, but I loved it when- But the, nobody would, everybody would leave you alone because the adults were talking. Well, well, usually the adult would go, there's a back bedroom, go to your homework. And they wouldn't pay attention to me. The best houses were, hey, go downstairs. There's a rec room down there. Here, let me show you how to use the Atari. You might want to play some Atari. I know you got homework to do, but you might want to do that. Oh, here's the cable TV that you guys don't have. Uh, there's 99 channels and nothing <laughs> on any of them, but you don't know that yet because you're too young. So go play around on the TV. It was it was yeah. fantastic. But But I think this goes back to anything we talk about, any opportunity that you hear about. If somebody's telling you that you can get something for nothing, OG, it doesn't work. Like if somebody's telling you that you've got supreme flexibility and stay home with your kids and you can retire early, are you flipping kidding me? Who doesn't want that? Yeah. And by the way, remember that the person who's telling you that is sitting at your kitchen table on a Tuesday night at 730 at night. Why aren't they at home with their kids? And by the way, where were they Monday night and where are they going to be Wednesday night and where are they going to be Thursday night? Because they're not doing it. Did you ever uh, have any clients when you're an advisor that would be like, okay, if you're so smart, Mr. Financial Advisor, how come you're not retired with $10 million? 
I always found that pretty funny. I'm like, because I'm 26. <laughs> I mean, it's like the power of compounding works, but it works in, like over time primarily. No, I mean, you're right when it comes to those examples, when it comes to MLM, but I think this is also true for everything. Everything. You know, we see in our community, right? We see like, all you have to do is just do these 10 side hustles and then you're going to be you're going to retire rich. Look bada how easy boom, they bada are. Bing. It's like you work five times as much, you know, or all you have to do is just write down your experiences. You're writing them down anyway in your diary. Why don't you write them down on the internet for people? It's super easy to run a blog. You should run a blog. You should run a blog. Everybody runs a blog. And then you find out, oh, that's actually work. And it's not, it's not freedom. It's different work, right? It may supplement your income. You may get a higher you know, return on your time in terms of, you know, cash to time or something like that, but it's still not free. It's still not timeless. You still are using, you know, experience to do it. So, um, so that's transcendent, I guess, across uh, everything. Well, let's get into the cult piece of this, the comparison between cults and my favorite. Yes. Between cults and MLMs, not a new one. Amway, one of the largest MLMs in the world, has been the subject of several books that detail the company's cult-like strategies, including Amway, the Cult of Free Enterprise, written in 99 by former distributor Stephen Butterfield. Douglas M. Brooks, an attorney who specializes in representing victims of pyramid schemes, deceptive MLM practices, and business opportunity scams, agreed Amway is one of the prime examples of how MLMs mirror cults. Brooks recently presented a working paper at the 2019 International Cultic Studies Association annual conference titled Coercive Techniques and Business Opportunity Cults. In the paper, he notes that Butterfield's experience with Amway, as well as those of others who've written about their time with this particular MLM, included, quote, mass meetings with enthusiastic distributors giving standing ovations to high-level Amway speakers mysterious terminology you know when somebody the joke for me after the fourth time that i did that i saw this presentation when somebody started drawing they wouldn't tell me what the meaning is about and then they'd start drawing circles on on a piece of paper i'm like there it is mysterious diagrams but anyway back to this relentless focus on recruitment positive thinking the avoidance of any questioning of Amway at high-level distributors and the tendency for Amway distributors to dedicate more and more of their time and energy to the organization, often at the expense of their relationships with family and friends, despite the lack of financial success. All these factors, he said, are consistent with the popular perception of what a cult is. To this day, former distributors continue making the comparison, and Amway is just one of many MLMs that function in this way. And I just want to do this one quote. MLMs hook people with the promise of becoming independent business owners with unlimited earning potential. But for many, getting caught up in an MLM turns out to be a nightmare. I think the other thing that happens out of this is when it's not a right fit, once you're committed, you've usually you've contributed some capital to the organization. Maybe you had to buy your your initial you starter know, thing kit or whatever. Yeah. And you're you're pretty reticent to like go, nah, this isn't for me. There can be a lot of guilt or shame that comes from that. Like, oh, I couldn't make it. And I know that in some of them, especially some of the slimier ones, and I've been involved with some like as a consumer, and I think by and large, probably they're okay in terms of their products. You know what I mean? Like they serve a need. 
but I know some of the slimier ones that like, you know, somebody will say, Hey, come to this meeting with me. And you just go, okay, whatever. But they really do kind of shame people into like leaving. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like if you're going to like, Oh, Hey, this isn't for me. They're like, Whoa, you're allergic to money or something. Don't you, don't you want to be rich like me? Don't want any freedom. Yeah. It is tough, but it's like any business. I think you have to be able to run some numbers first and put down in writing, not just in your head and with glorious talk about all the money you're going to make. But if you're, if you're starting a business, you want a business plan. And even if you're a franchisee, which in this case with an MLM, would you compare that to being a franchisee? You're a quote independent business owner, but you're selling a captive number of products. So whether it's a McDonald's or Amway, you have to be able to run the numbers about where your profit's going to come from. Like, how is yeah. that profit going going to come around? Um, and don't just take somebody else's word for it. Our second piece comes to us from Investment News. It's written by Jeff Benjamin, preparing for the next recession. And Investment News, by the way, is a piece, and I saw that eye roll, man. I saw the eye roll. <laughs> the uh, is a industry rag for investment professionals. And Mr. Benjamin writes, while there's no way to know with certainty when the next economic recession will hit the U.S. economy, it's certain the U.S. is still enjoying the longest period of economic expansion in modern history, and the arguments to support a pending recessionary pullback continue to mount. The most recent vivid example was the inverted yield curve in early August that saw 10-year Treasury bond yields fall below those of two-year Treasury bonds, which sent the stock market into a brief freefall. Historically, I love the words. I I I, I do so too. Annoying. Plummet. So annoying. Free fall. Slight free fall. It's like a slight free fall. Those two words don't mean the same thing. It you was, know, they it, don't go it, together. It was brief free fall. Even so, well, it, you know what I mean. Planes. Like, there, there was go that, from you go from like the third floor to the second floor in an elevator. That's a brief free fall. Historically, an inverted yield curve signaled a recession within the next twelve to. 18 months. Okay. I don't want to get into this piece as much as Thank you. Oh, well, you know, this continues to be the case, but here is the interesting thing. What Mr. Benjamin says here is prep clients and portfolios and your business ahead of a wreck. And if you're thinking about, so let's look at it from our side, from the client side, right? From anybody listening to this, the best time to prepare for a recession is just like the line from the Art of War, one of my favorite books about business, this ancient Chinese philosophy book that says- No, you knew how to read Chinese, but it's impressive. You're welcome. The, the best battle is the one that's never fought, right? So if we know at some point, OG, and this was why I wanted to bring up this piece, if we know at some point that a recession is coming, the best time to prep for it is ahead of time. Like when you take off on an airplane, let's use another airplane analogy. Here. Let's do it. Yes. I like it. Take off on an airplane. What do the flight attendants do? Flight attendants go through, hey, you know, your cushion of your seat can also be a life vest or it's underneath there somewhere. It reminds me of the comedian bit. Have you heard that one where he's like, Ron White? He goes, he's like, I don't know who it was, but he's like, so basically, I've got to float on somebody's fart cushion. <laughs> I'd rather drown. I don't. I don't know that one. I know the. I know the one where the guy says, uh, "Where the guy's like, so I'm on a flight between L.A. and Phoenix, and I'm trying to think of where we're going to have a water landing, <laughs> like how we're going to come up with a water landing there. Like I want to shake that pilot's hand. 
but anyway, they go through, they go through everything ahead of time, right? They tell you what to do in case of emergency. They have a plan ahead of time. What Mr. Benjamin's writing here isn't just, Hey, there's all these signs that a recession may be coming. We've been talking this crap for the past five years. However, when it does come, you don't want to have your panic then you want to go to this sheet of paper and go, well, the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to use our seat cushion as a flotation device. The second thing is all of these things are going to pop down and I put on my own oxygen mask before I put on the person's next to mine. Have your plan. Talk to your advisor now about, hey, what's our plan if we go into a recession? How's this going to work? And then when the market starts going down and you and your advisor are just executing the plan, I think that's far, far, far better than what we usually see. Let's put it this way. Every time the market has started to go down the last five years in this March up and up and up and up, we continually get the questions about what should we do now? Way better than doing that. The problem that I have with this line of questioning slash conversation is that it portends that there's actually something to do. And let's get ready for it. Well, what would you do differently? You're not going to hoard cash between now and then. That's foolish because most of the time the market goes up. But that's a response that some people have. They say, well, the recession's coming. I should hang on to a whole bunch of cash right now. So, you know, so I'm ready to invest it when it goes down. It's like you've, my response to that, if I hear that is I'm like, well, you've had two chances in the last nine months to do that. Where was your investment then? You know? You had an opportunity in December to deploy all this cash that you've been hoarding. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to hoard new cash. Then I'm going to do it. It's like, okay, nobody wants to be the guy that invests money when it's down 30%. Everybody talks a big game. The only way that you can get through any market decline is to actually not do anything. If you start thinking about it, the human brain is wired to do stuff. It's wired to like, look for the next thing. It's wired to survive. It's wired to, you know, do all these things. And we've had people on the show that talk about the mental components of investing and behavioral investing and things like that, like Dr. Crosby. But the reality is, is that doing nothing is the hardest thing to do because you're like, well, I, you know, I, I should be doing something. Hey, it's down 10%. Don't I do something now? It's down 30%. The yield curve is inverted. Don't I do something now? And the answer is no. We have a bias, bias toward action is what you're saying usually. And this is the opposite. But you're, you are acting. <laughs> you are executing the plan that you put together already. But let me tell you, though, there are things, and I get exactly what you're saying, and I, and I fully agree. But, but let me tell you some things that you can do that I think the average person doesn't know. Your advisor should have software that will show you with your asset mix, whatever it is, how it will respond in different environments. And I think, OG, going through that simulation ahead of time and going, this portfolio is designed to withstand decreases of X. And what that means is, is that your portfolio, which is Y now, sometimes could go as low as Z. Your advisor has the ability to do that. And if you're at all worried about an, uh, about a recession, 
I would run that simulation. I would ask your advisor, hey, take me through what happens then. And then have your advisor talk about the rebalancing that you're going to do during that. So, okay, do we rebalance once a year? We rebalance twice a year. When do we do that? Do we rebalance or do we ride it out? Like what is the, what advisors call, what is the investment policy statement that we're going to use? Like, I just think it's important to run through the checklist ahead of time so that you and your advisor are on the same page. And by the way, if your advisor doesn't want to do this, they're crazy because the thing I hated and that I know you hate is the call after things start going bad, going, okay, market's going down. What are we going to do now? Oh, gee, what are we going to do now? Well, to your point, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, lifeboat drills are really important. Um, understanding the variation that you could have in your investment account, because the time to change that, of course, is not, you know, when you're down 19% to say, actually, I don't like to be down 19. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. Then you've got it. You've taken that side of it. You have to wait it out now and get the other, the other side of it. Yeah. You, know? you want to tell your advisor that way beforehand that the, well, and you, that's again, that should already be part of the plan. Sure. Right? That should already be part of the thing. But that's just another good example of the right thing to do is to follow the course of action that you already have established. And if you have goals that are coming up during the next insert period of time here, three or five years, you should already have a plan for addressing, you know, how to solve that problem. I was talking with somebody a couple of weeks ago about saving for a kind of intermediate term goal, but wasn't time sensitive. And they're like, so, you know, should I invest it? Should I have it in cash or whatever? And I said, so if you're four of the five years into saving for this goal and you're investing for it, and that happens to be the time when the market goes down 25% and with it, your portfolio. And so you can't accomplish this goal. Then in that five years, what do you do? Are you really ticked off and, and frustrated that you missed the five year mark? Or do you just say, well, it's going to take seven years. And they said, I, I, this is not time since this isn't like college tuition where I got to have the money in four years from now. So if it takes a seven it's seven, if we invest well and it takes us four, that's great too. You know, so that's the trade off. And I think when it comes to those intermediate goals, I think everybody can sign off on the long-term goals. Like I get it long-term 30 years from now, I'll just stay the course, don't really do anything, but their intermediate term ones are the ones that need some discussion of juniors college is coming up in, you know, four years What's the plan if the market goes down by half halfway through that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, takeaway number one from these. Takeaway number two, involved in an MLM, not necessarily horrible OG. Just just watch the marketing tactics and realize there is no free lunch. If you're focused on the product and on profits, profit margin, and probably most importantly, serving your customer, MLMs can be okay. But don't fall for the cult-like aspects. Upstairs talking to mom, Lisa and Harrison, they've been on before. They were, by the way, I don't know if you remember this OG, Lisa and Harrison from the Mad Money Monster blog and now podcast, by the way. They were the cool kids are doing podcasts. They they totally are. And they are the cool kids. But they remember last year did our Halloween episode with us, partially because they've been through a lot of financial horror stories, but also because Harrison 
if you remember, is a horror movie director. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful when you say that horror movie yes, director. It's two syllables. Yes, because that could get awkward in a hurry. <laughs> but uh, Harrison and Lisa heard about the van life, absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm going to let them tell their story. It's a fantastic story about trying stuff out, which is what life's all about, OG, trying stuff out. So let's say hello again, back down to the basement, our friends Lisa and Harrison from the Mad Money Monster blog and podcast. And coming back down the stairs to the basement for a triumphant return trip, it's our good friends Harrison and Lisa from the Mad Money Monster. How are you guys? We're great. Glad to be here. It's exciting. Doing great. (laughs) Well, well, you guys always have so much stuff going on. I want to ask you about this first. When did you find time to get into podcasting? I mean, podcasting. You've been on the show now. This is the, the second time, maybe third time for Lisa. I'm thinking you've been here in the basement enough. You should know this is a no-win deal. <laughs> we do, but we like to punish ourselves, yes. right? I mean, why not? Yes. Perfect. Well, let's hear. I want to play the the opening of one of your recent episodes so people know what they're getting into with the Mad Money Monster Show. Testing. One, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that was good. Hey, it's Lisa, also known as Mrs. Mad Money Monster, and I am here with Mr. Mad Money Monster for another episode of the Mad Money Monster Show. Yay. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part. Yay. <laughs> Yay. It seems like we have to fill that space with something. <laughs> it's something I keep thinking of like uh, some zombie out of one of Harrison's movies or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yay. Brains. Right. Well, let's tell a story here about living in a van. And Lisa, I think this starts with you. You have probably. Uh, well, well, the way that I heard this story is that you really thought this was when you first got into frugality. Correct me if I'm wrong. You start yeah. joining like other people, like like minded people, right, in groups, and you start hearing about this idea of van life. So absolutely. Well, yeah. t- well, tell me about that. How did you first hear about it? Do you remember like the sexiness of it? What it was all about? <laughs> I think I just started following what with the frugality with the blog. I started following people that were living in RVs, right? So that kind of naturally led to people living in vans. And then I found all these groups on Facebook, these va- hashtag van life groups, and then started following. I started joining those groups actually. Just follow their stories. It was interesting. Uh, found people on Instagram and YouTube and it was just so exciting to me. What what, what was it? What was it? You know, I'm a kid that grew up camping. So yeah. What was the excitement about? So it's so funny. I did not grow up camping and I never really liked camping. So that's interesting too. I just thought, you know, look, I saw those idealistic pictures on Instagram. That's what, that's what pulled me in. It sucked me in the coffee with the beautiful sunrise and the, (laughs) by the lake. And I'm like, I want to do that on the weekends too. (laughs) Doesn't that, it does. It sounds awesome. I mean, just think about it. The three of you, the two of you have a daughter and so, yep. so the three of you, like going all over the place, living in a van, spending almost no exactly. money. 
I mean, that's a frugal <laughs> dream. I mean, granted, we do have the daughter, so we knew it wasn't going to be an ongoing, a full-time thing. It was going to be a part-time thing, right? Weekends, vacations, but it was still going to be a frugal thing to do, right? We can see the country frugally. Mr. Man Money Monster works from home, so his his uh, schedule's flexible. I have a lot of vacation time with my company, so I'm pretty flexible too. So Perfect. that's kind of what we were thinking. Perfect. I mean, it yeah. sounds great. So Harrison, she she comes to you and she's got this idea. I was surprised, by the way, when I heard about your reaction. Yeah, my reaction was suddenly I was back in seventh grade because I had always wanted to travel around the country in a van. And I remember being in middle school saying to my friends, yeah, when, I, when I'm going to drive, I'm going to get a van. And when we graduate, we're going to travel the United States. And I, I always wanted to live in Maine. So it was like... Uh, all of a sudden, yeah, what a great idea. And yeah, this was something I didn't know about you. Right. So I brought it up one night. I'm like, do you know there are people living in vans and they're traveling and they're doing all these cool and exciting things? And that just, it was a Friday night and it sparked something inside you. It was, night. it was. And we just stayed up for hours talking about this dream. Well, I so yeah, it's, it sounded great. Well, I can even hear, I mean, even reading the blog post about it at the time, I remember just, I could feel like the two of you and how excited you were. And I could feel that this was like one person building on the other. And now it turned into <laughs> yeah. this huge epic yeah. thing that, that you were going to do together. So it's, uh, it's what I call the, the, and then conversation, you have this and then, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then, and we just kept going and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly we have a van. This, this part is, well, I want to talk about getting a van because, because I think yeah. that's a big part of this trip. But before we get there, I mean, th this is a great thing about your relationship though, that I want to just bring up again. Like we talked about last time, you guys talk about money all the time. And I think these exciting conversations you have, I mean, Lisa, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was a great conversation it was and it conversation. spilled over. Like it literally lasted all weekend long. Like we woke up Saturday morning, we went to the coffee shop, we continued it and yeah, we just continued it all weekend long. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out, and I didn't know this until I read your, your post because of the fact that I come from a family who bought a custom van back in the day, back Harrison in my like seventh grade. We had this like Starcraft custom van where you turned on the lights yeah. and you had this rim of lights inside. Yeah. I mean, this thing, this, I remember my parents let me take it to uh, the prom one year and <laughs> lucky you. well awesome. i can't figure out how how her parents let me get away with that because I, th I think they saw me with that van they're like yeah she's not going yeah yeah holy <laughs> she that is, is something that's a story right there <laughs> yes i mean carpet up the wall the whole deal but anyway that's pretty much what ours was like <laughs> But it turns out, though, back to you guys. So we bought that one from a deal. It turns out there's no such thing anymore. Apparently, right, Lisa. Right. And we didn't even realize that. Not that we were going to buy a brand new conversion van or anything sure. like that. But yeah, they're they're not existent anymore. Uh, so we started uh, just searching Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and found a few vans that we liked. We went to see a few vans. One we really, really liked that was in great condition, but we had no idea what we were doing at the time. So we thought the guy was asking way too much money. And what he was, had another wait a minute. Hold on a second, Lisa. Harrison, I, what was it you guys liked about that van in particular? What was it that, that was attractive? 
It, to me, it just always looked like the van I wanted when I was in the seventh grade. Well, it was also the van we wanted it, it, it to was, buy. The, yeah, it was a type. really nice style. It was the type of van. It was that a we GMC Bandura. Bandura. Yeah, and it so it was the kind of van we wanted. But it was really well kept, and it, it was okay. well cut, kept. Yeah. He had he had uh you know all the maintenance records, and it looked good. Like the yeah. color, it was custom paint. Color right? scheme was beautiful. <laughs> the color scheme was great inside and out. It was just cool. And yeah. I'm thinking that's like 70s burnt orange and brown. Is that what? It- <laughs> You're, you're close. It was uh, 70s uh, maroon. It, on the interior. On the interior. Perfect. Yeah. And like blue and green and yeah. really, really cool on the outside. Yeah. I, I still, I still yeah. think J- about Jimmy that Carter is still giving his addresses inside that van somewhere. <laughs> what was your budget for the van? We didn't want to go over like $5,000. Okay. And, and I think that guy wanted 5200 for his van. I thought it was closer to six, but you could be right. No, I think he wanted fifty two hundred. We offered, I think, forty five hundred. Yeah, we were. He scoffed at us. (laughs) It's like I have another buyer on the table, and we're thinking, sure you do. Yeah, and he did. (laughs) And he did. (laughs) So van number one is gone. So then you turn your sights on another one. Yes, we did. The second van, I think, was for sale for what forty two or forty three hundred. And it was at a, a used car dealership uh, up in the Poconos, right? Yes. So we had to drive like three hours. It was past hours. the Poconos. It was up more toward uh, Scranton. Yeah, we had to drive three hours to see this van. And it was it was a nice van. It wasn't as cool as the first van, but it was still the GMC Vandura. Um, it had the engine, the transmission, and I don't know. It was crushed blue velvet. Yes. And who there wouldn't you, be impressed with no, that, right? There it is. Like <laughs> There it is. You just hand them your wallet right now. <laughs> So I actually wheeled and deal. We did. We went back and forth for a couple of hours, I think, and finally settled on 3700 They let it go for 3700 cash. You, you did buy that van. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You're, you're skipping a van because the, another van I was interested in was the one that you guys drove like a couple hours to see this van. Oh, they, they t- yes. They told yes, you that. Right. I did skip one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was on Facebook Marketplace, I think. I went back and forth Is with that this the smoker van. Yeah, yes. Now see, he's giving it away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. Aren't you in? Aren't you in movies? Don't, don't you know? You wait till the end. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, we found this other van, and it looked great in the pictures. I mean, it looked it great in the pictures. And we went back and forth. I don't know how many times with the emails. And right before we're ready to walk out the door to go see this van to drive to New Jersey, like it was a two and a half hour drive, I send one final email, just checking: Has anyone ever smoked in the van? Nope. Well, we're good. Yeah. Like, yes, let's go. And we get there, and it was like it was like. Like you know, you're waving the smoke away from your. It was face. it was it was like sitting inside a, a an emphysema lung. It was, it was bad. It was, it bad. was really bad. Well, and it's so frustrating because you're driving that far. They know you're yes. driving that far. Yeah. That's so that, that I could. I mean, my heart sank when I yeah. when I read that. I'm like, really? You know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh. So now you have your van. Yeah, absolutely. Now you have yeah. your van. Thirty seven hundred dollars of goodness. And uh, you didn't stop there, though. You put a little money then into fixing it up. Not very much, much. though. Only a few hundred dollars, as far as I remember. Yeah, we just had our mechanic go over it Mm -hmm. and, you know, just do some basic basic maintenance. Took care of some valves that were a little leaky, stuff like that. But he said it was in great shape. He gave it a thumbs up when we were done. It had less than 100,000 miles on it. Oh, sweet. For 3,700 bucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So then you start dreaming about where you're taking this thing. 
We're d- taking it to the Grand Canyon. That what? was that was our big trip. I'd rather take it to the prom. <laughs> That's right. Just say it. Well, you know, had you had it earlier, sure. maybe you guys could have had like a second prom. Well, maybe this, maybe the Grand Canyon's like your Mad Money Monster prom, right? Yeah, yeah. We were excited. We were planning a big, a big family trip. We were out to the Grand Canyon in June. And we live in Pennsylvania. So this is going to be, I was going to take three weeks off of work. We're going to drive out, stay in the van, right? (laughs) Visit some friends in Arizona and just have a grand old time. Yep. But then the problem happens that it turns out that you're a spreadsheet nerd. (laughs) I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's my interpretation, which is why you're my kind of people. But you start doing the spreadsheet and this idea of cheap living might not be what you thought it was. Exactly. That is so true. I mean, look, when you're driving anywhere for a week to get to your destination, you're going to have expenses, right? You're going to be eating every day. You're you're going to be. And then the other reality that slapped me in the face was this is going to be June. And I hate to be hot. And I especially <laughs> hate to be hot when I'm sleeping. <laughs> so there's a problem. There's a big problem. So I thought, well, maybe we can stay in the KOA campgrounds, right? So I was looking up these campgrounds and even that to get an air conditioned cabin is expensive, right? But even Uh, seriously, just staying at the KOA, because we've done that quite a bit, even just staying at the KOA is not super cheap. You're right. Even that adds up. And we, yeah, exactly. And we were looking at possibly solar panels and possibly, and you know, we had everything we were going to trick this thing out. The cost, yeah, the cost was just ballooning in the whole thing. We were going to do the whole thing. Right. I'm wondering though, I mean, I go back to the beginning of this conversation where you're in these Facebook groups. How are they? Clearly you're not the first family to have these issues. Like how are these people solving these in a way that it's, you know, still the frugal life or aren't they? No, I don't think I was asking questions like that. I was doing the research on my own because, look, if I ask in the group, I feel like they're just going to say, suck it up and deal with the heat, right? Come on. What are you, a baby? But yes, I am. (laughs) Yes. So it turned out that van life might not be bad, but it might not be perfect for you. That's, yeah, that's. I I would say that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's reality versus expectation yeah. is, yes. is really what it comes down to. So, you know, we we had these delusions of grandeur. <laughs> we and, did. You know, the, the memories, it evokes all these really great, cool memories from when you were younger and a kid. And, and then you start applying all the things, not just the expenses, which were the number one issue, but then you start thinking about the practical things. If it were just Lisa and I doing this, we probably would have hung on to the van. However, the fact is we have a daughter who at that time was, eight, you know, nine years eight. old, eight, nine yeah. years old. We have issues there because you're, you Safety. have to think, yeah. you got to think of, of somebody else. And the problem with the internet is, is there's always that, that age old question with the internet. And that is, were these problems always around or is the <laughs> internet just kind of magnifying these problems? And you start reading about, and and it just seemed funny at that time. Like, I don't know, maybe the technology was listening to us, but suddenly there are articles about the family that was in this van and somebody broke into the van to try right, to you right. know, go after the daughter and the guy had a gun and he had to, sh- and I'm thinking, number one, I'm going to kill anybody who comes in that van <laughs> at, you know, at night. And but by the way, and by the way, as a horror movie director, you know, all the best ways to kill them. 
Oh, absolutely. Like you've thought of all the idea of who they're messing with when it comes to that. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I can also tell you sometime my my uh, skinhead story when I beat some skinheads with a two by four. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. But my my point is the reality versus expectation. There were a lot of things there that for the personal safety and, and not even just something like sensational like that. But you know, what if the van breaks down? What what yeah. if you're stuck and and we're in the middle of the desert right. and we don't know how to change a serpentine belt? You know, right. I can look in the Facebook groups, but that's not going to help us. Yeah, and it's not going <laughs> to help you if you're in the middle of somewhere with no internet access, right, or cellular service. Right. So, you know, we we started thinking about that, and again, if it were just the two of us, might Maybe. be a different story. And with the expenses, it was not any cheaper by any stretch to take the van to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. In fact, it was going to cost us more. So. Yeah. We just ended up flying. So, right. We ended up flying. Yeah. And then, of course, we're talking about it because one of the other issues, uh, Lisa is also a minimalist and she loves uh, her decor, very minimalistic. <laughs> and we have this giant Vandura sitting in our driveway oh. because it wouldn't fit in the garage. Yes, because it was a high top. And every time I rounded the corner down our street, yeah. I would cringe. <laughs> I mean, we might as well have just had the couch out on the porch and... You know, the car jacked up and the car jacked up yard. and about four pit bulls and we'd be oh, all set to go. Terrible, but uh, yeah, in my mind, yes. You are those people. You're those people. Yeah. We, yes. Well, we were those people on the street, and you know, in the winter time, you're out there shoveling snow off this thing, and I had a step ladder getting you know getting on yeah. the top to take everything off. So again, reality versus expectation. So as after the Grand Canyon, we we just started talking about. Not yet. We we still held held on. Well, to we it. we held on. Well, and this and you is can talk about that. We yeah. did our well. Hold our on. Yeah, yeah, because I love this part of the story. Just to break in for just one second, I love this yep. part of the story that you didn't give up. You're like, nope, we are going to do this. We're going to try yeah, it. We so, persisted a little bit there. Yeah. Did you take yeah, it? We did. Was this trip that I read about? Was it like a weekend trip then? Just like a test yes. trip? Yeah. Yes, it was a test trip up to our friends in the Poconos. They live on 24 acres, wooded acres. Sweet. So we parked the van. Yeah, exactly. We parked the van <laughs> on their acreage. <laughs> and we're going to sleep in the van that yeah. night, right? Yeah. Now, our daughter did not. She was in the house with the other kids. But we we were sleeping in the van. And it was like, I don't know. You know, you're not that comfortable, right? It was Although it was a good time of year. Because this was actually before the Grand Canyon trip. This is before we actually pulled the plug. We were trying to test this out. And so the weather was okay, although it's very humid, right? And we're just not comfortable. We're sleeping on a platform bed that we built. Yes, we built the platform <laughs> For bed. like $100 or yes. whatever. And I don't know. There wasn't a lot of room. And you kept hitting your head. You kept yes. waking up, turning over, hitting your head. Well, I hear this clunk and I hear. We we have to give a little secret here on this show. And that is Lisa snores. Now, listen, <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying my weekend in the Poconos. I had a few glasses no, she of wine. snores all the time. <laughs> and it's amplified in a van. Yeah, because I'm, I'm lying with my ear with, with like an inch and a half away from her mouth. And it's. <laughs> then I get up in the middle of the night to be like, oh, and I, I went to turn over and I'm whacking my head on this low hanging shelf. And yeah, because you thought you just stormed I, off. I'd had you it. went into the house in the middle of the night. It was I, like three in the morning. I'm like, I'm going in and I was able to bed. spread out in the middle of the van <laughs> and enjoy so I did press on, but I wasn't all that comfortable either. No, maybe more wine would have done it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 
and, and so there, that tells you like, and the weather was decent. Like it was pretty cool. I can't imagine adding like 20, 30 degrees on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And trying to do this. Yeah. I love the fact you gave it a shot, but there's a happy ending to the story. You, you sold the van. We oh, did. Yeah. It's we a great did. ending. Yeah. 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 We, uh, where did we post a Facebook on marketplace? Facebook. Yeah. yeah. A gentleman contacted us from New Jersey, I think yes, again, New Jersey. and he came up with his brother-in-law. They were both from Poland and they just loved it. And they wanted to take their wives together. They were, you know, happy family. They want to take their wives on these trips, just like we were doing. They were talking about taking it to Poland, actually. Yeah, they're going to take <laughs> so it to Poland. They took it and they they even sent us pictures. Oh, yeah. They sent us know, pictures their, of their excursions. Their first trip. And, and, did yeah. they really? That's so oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So we sold it. We sold it for more than what we paid. We sold it for exactly basically what we paid for plus the maintenance cost. Yeah, we got everything we back. Got. We yeah. didn't lose a dime. Exactly. No harm, Other no foul. Sanity here and there. It was great. <laughs> and and most of all, we felt really good selling it to people that we know are really going to give this van yeah. a workout. Yeah. And they did. And they were very happy. They 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 were so excited to send us pictures. Yeah. And they were very nice people. Yep. What's your big takeaway from your van life experience? <laughs> Sometimes the idea is way better than the reality. <laughs> I'd like to go back to middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Probably try it out first if you have visions of grandeur with van life. Hashtag van life. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe try it out first. Or take it to the prom. <laughs> or take it to the prom. Yes, just take it to the prom. And there it is. I would normally just stop right there, but I've got a couple more questions I got to ask you guys about. So what's coming up on the show for the brand new podcast? What's, uh, you know, what do you got coming? I think we have a lot of do it yourself, uh, savings podcasts in the works because we just moved. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of work ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We've just ripped up all the floors in the house and everything and did it on yeah. an incredibly tight budget, but we did it right. On, on the flip yeah. side too. So it looks, it looks beautiful. It's, it's looking great. I'm so sorry. I wasn't available to help with that. <laughs> so maybe next time we yeah. have plenty of projects in the works. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just call me, please. God, don't call me. Call me. Go ahead. Call me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then I have to ask while we have you, Harrison, obviously new movies. What's what, what are you working on? Well, I just finished uh, a new horror film called the special. Awesome. And, uh, it's getting ready to be sold at the American film market in November. I'm excited about that. It's really good film. And uh, I also have started a, a podcast. It's called Cinema, C-Y-N-E-M-A. And it's about um, the effects of cynicism on, on filmmaking and entertainment. And it inspired me. For, I was inspired to write this. I, I started a blog. And you can find that on horrorfuel.com. And it's called Cinema, C-Y-N-E-M-A. However, it was the movie Jaws the Revenge that inspired me because I consider Jaws the Revenge to be the worst motion picture of all time. <laughs> and because of the cynicism of making such a lousy film when they could have made a better film. We will link to all of those on our show notes <laughs> page at stackybenjamins.com. <laughs> I have to ask one more thing. We're about a month away as this comes out from Halloween. Best new horror stuff out this year that somebody might want to watch this Halloween. Ooh. Oh, that's out theatrical. Well, I, I haven't seen the new It movie yet, so I'm going to probably have to say that one. Uh, I, I would recommend Us, the Jordan Peele film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I haven't seen much else because we've been moving and, and packing up, and I don't know what else is coming on the horizon. Uh, there is one called Antlers, which looks fantastic. 
I think yeah. I saw a preview of that, and that yeah. even the trailer looks scary as I'll get. Yeah, the trailer looks. I, I'll give them my money. Take my money. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll go see it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out and telling us the story. Yes. Yeah. Thank you it. for having us. Love telling the story. Thanks again. What's going on, trivia junkies? You know, it's time to roll the windows down on this here podcast and pull out onto the open road and crank up some trivia, you know what I mean? If, if you're like me, when you think of Vans, you think of the famous SNL skit starring Chris Farley as a classic motivational speaker. Man, that guy will just get you going. So how about this piece of trivia? Which actress was the special SNL guest that week and played the daughter in the skit? Don't worry, I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. Well, thanks to Masterworks for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, it's interesting, OG, people haven't been able to get into this asset class. And in fact, Masterworks was on earlier in the year, and we had some discussion about it in our Facebook group, The Basement, because I think much like some of the other asset classes where things have changed a lot over the years, some investors don't understand how this works. So Masterworks is the first art investment platform that allows you to invest in the world's most valuable paintings. If you look at art as an asset class, it's interesting to see what art gives you. Now, the problem is, is that you, of course, haven't been able to go buy a painting because, well, if you're buying the masters, slightly expensive and with good reasons. Masterworks, by the way, been so successful for its members, they now have a wait list of over 17,000 people. They recently sold out the Andy Warhol offering that they had. They have a Banksy offering selling out quickly right now. Art is the top performing asset class, 2018, with average returns of 10.6. I'm not as excited about that, OG, as I am about the fact, if you look at artwork over long periods of time, what that looks like. Of course, art's the most popular investment of the ultra-wealthy. Here's the best thing, though, that we negotiated is that stackers are being given the opportunity to bypass the 17,000-person wait list. Visit masterworks.io and let them know Stacky Benjamin set you to skip the wait list. Hey, freeway-loving trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, but you already knew that. And During the break, I was talking with Lisa and Harrison, you know, sharing with them all the secrets of El Camino life. God, you and I know that's where their little adventure went astray. I mean, you gotta be in an El Camino. It's, like, it's, it's a cowboy thing. I mean, had they slept in the beautiful, hard, metal, unforgiving bed of an El Camino with just a wafer-thin mattress and nothing but the open sky that always seems to rain at night when you're trying to sleep. I mean, that would have just changed their entire journey. But uh, anyway, I'll work on that later. But let's get you back to your trivia answer. Our question was this in the classic SNL skit featuring Chris Farley as a motivational speaker. Which actress was the guest star on that show that week and played the daughter during this classic moment. If you said, yeah, you knew that David Spade played the brother, sure, everybody knows that, and you'd be right. And if you said that comedians Phil Hartman and Julia Sweeney were her parents, well, that's pretty good. A lot of people forgot that point. But uh, the woman who played the daughter, none other than comedic great Christina Applegate. Get it right? Well, <laughs> 
I've got good news. You're probably smart enough that you won't have to live on a strict diet of government cheese and live in a van down by the river. (laughs) I love saying that. See ya. Big thanks to Harrison and Lisa. I love the fact that they tried it. OG. I just love that. Don't you? Why not? What's the risk, right? So you like it or you don't like it. I mean, at the very least, you have a great story to tell. I think they knew the downside before they got in, even though they had these romantic ideas of what it was going to be like. And I also like the fact that it wasn't about van life that didn't fit. It was the fact that it was it was more about them and it didn't fit them, which is why I kind of get tired of some of the judginess in personal finance. Oh, well you don't have X or you don't do this thing or you're not super frugal. You don't live in a tent in the woods and ride your unicycle everywhere. Is that a thing? Yeah, probably not. So big thanks to them and great for them trying stuff out. Hey, let's throw out the Avon Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Avon Life Insurance Agency put what you value first, your loved ones and your time. And that's why they make buying quality term life insurance simple by having their application online with an instant coverage decision. OG, you and I have filled out plenty of insurance applications in the past, helping- Keep on telling me no. (laughs) Helping clients, but uh, saving all that time. What are you going to do? What do you do with all that time you save when you go through Haven Life? Well, this past weekend, it was all about putting up our Halloween decorations. That's, I have- I have it's about that time a Halloween decoration right across from me that we just got. We just got because we love Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, we got Jack Skellington's house. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's really neat little Jack Skellington thing. Yeah, we do like the the broom flying into the tree. Oh yeah, yeah, know, yeah. The witch out front and the and the gravestones and you know that sort of thing. See extra time and you can get into the spirit of the holiday. That's what it's all about. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get your free quote. All policies issued by Mass Mutual, more than 160 year old insurer. And uh, and the cool thing is they're super affordable. Let's throw out the lifeline today to Janelle. Say hi, Janelle. Hi, Joe. I hope this doesn't bring back too many bad high school memories, but I'm just calling to get connected with your friend, the evil HR lady. My husband carries full benefits for the entire family and pays the same amount regardless of his marital or family status, so I've never had to use the health, dental, and vision benefits offered by my employer. As I'm looking at switching jobs, I was wondering if I can use the fact that I opt out of these major benefits as part of a negotiation for a higher salary, since companies consider benefits as part of their compensation package, or is that just the perk they use to recruit employees? I figure if your answer is that I'm out any additional salary potential, At least I'll get a free t-shirt to reduce my clothing expenses on the budget line this month. Thanks. Have a great day. We are going to, and by the way, she's in the middle of moving. Thanks, Janelle. The evil HR lady, for people that don't know her, she's been on the show, a frequent uh, guest of the show. Uh, She's a fantastic blog, evilhrlady.org, and talks about the inner workings of your HR department and all the cool stuff they do that most people don't take advantage of and, you know, how to solve workplace conflict and things. But She's in the middle of moving right now. I am reaching out to her, by the way. So we're going to do this twice, OG. I'm going to get a longer answer from her. But short answer here, because we wanted to get this on as quickly as possible. 
What do you think? I don't think there's any harm in asking. No way. Uh, of course, there's no harm. I think this is a great idea. See if you can't parlay that into a extra contribution to your HSA account or or a lump sum check like that they don't have to pay, basically. Everybody else takes this benefit, but I'm not going to. So what do you think? The problem is, thinking about it from the employer side of things, is that quite often group policies are priced based on number of people. So while it's a benefit, it actually would probably cost them more if you did take it. <laughs> so so the fact that you're not taking that... Oh, 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 you're saying it doesn't cost them more for you to take it. Yes. Yeah. Because it's like the same, sure. you know, it's like... Right. For 50 to 75 to 50 people, people, it's X. Yeah. For yeah. 50 to 75 people, it's Y. You know, and there's a per unit cost, I'm sure, in there. But uh, I think you'd be surprised about how much they're not paying. You know, like if they say, well, we'll just give you all the money back. It might be only a few bucks. If it's a flex benefit package, though, a lot of times they'll put down exactly what the cost would be. True. By the way, if they're throwing money in, like in a matching type program... You know, now they don't have to match you at all because you're not using it. So maybe getting a piece of that match because you're not using the benefit might be there. I think the more you come with numbers, better off you are. So if there's any way to find out what OG's talking about, what these benefits are actually costing the company, and we'll ask the evil HR lady about that, I think would be important. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the question, Janelle. You got a question for the show? Do like Janelle did. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Not only is Janelle going to get a code from mom's friend Gertrude for a uh, Stacking Benjamin shirt, you know what else is going to happen? She's now going into our weekly, you see, we just had the first one, our weekly contest for color of the week. And mom has a little special something, something for our color every week. So way to bring it, Janelle. Nice job. And once again, we're going to readdress this also in a future episode with the evil HR lady. All right. That's going to do it for today. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everyone who's left a review of this show to show people what they're getting into with the stacking Benjamin show. This one, this one is fun. This is uh, five stars from JT. JT says a new favorite SB has quickly become a new favorite since I found it. Although it needs more mom's neighbor, Doug and cowbell. Not sure about either one of those things, but I like the sentiment, JT, and it made mom laugh. And that's all that's important around here. By the way, if we make mom laugh, mission accomplished. I showed my kids that uh, Saturday Night Live skit. They I bet thought they, it was pretty funny. I, I was going to say, I bet they loved it. They thought it was pretty funny. I think just watching Jimmy Fallon losing it in the background is half the fun of that skit. Yep. And watching Will Ferrell's shirt come up <laughs> is also awesome. Last thing, as we've been mentioning a lot lately, year's coming to a close. So if you're looking to reset your financial plan and get better financial help in your corner, OG's team is taking clients. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG for more on that front. All right. You got it from here, Doug. What should we have learned today? Sure thing, Joe. I mean, since this podcast is more effective than Benadryl at knocking people out, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned while they were actually sleeping. First, take some advice from Lisa and Harrison. Interested in a lifestyle? Before you jump completely in, test drive it. Because they test drove van life before selling their house or committing huge money. They were able to come out unscathed financially and with some great stories to tell. Second, 
thinking about joining a multi-level marketing company? Great! Just remember that a business is a business. It will take time and effort. And because it's an MLM business, there are so many other people doing it, you'll probably have to work a little bit harder for sales. But the big lesson? We should do this van in a podcast totally. That's such a... Joe, we got to do it. It'll be amazing. Look, we could have microphones near the back, and I'll drive, of course. I mean, pointing out the mystery spots all along the way, and like the world's largest ball of tinfoil, and, and like the mud houses, and oh, it'll be a blast. We'll see the world. Let's do it. Special thanks to Lisa and Harrison for joining us on today's show. You'll find the Mad Money Monster blog at madmoneymonster.com and their Mad Money Monster podcast wherever you're listening to the dulcet tones of my voice right now. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And thanks to Joe's mom for taking my van idea seriously. She said we should definitely do the show from a van, and the sooner the better. In fact, she said she'd help us pack it all up. (sighs) That lady, sometimes she's such a giver. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. We rarely talk about money. So if you're here for money discussions, we'll see you next time. We usually talk about things going on in our life and OG and I are big fans of movies. Uh, Sometimes we'll talk about uh, other hobbies that we have. But today I'm way behind on these movie reviews. This is a good one. I don't know if you'll find it at discount theaters. Man, I hope so. Because if you can see it in a movie theater, I always like seeing it there better myself. Some people prefer to be at home. But this was a film called uh, Good Boys. Look what I found at school today. What is it? I have no idea. That's a tampon. Girls shove it up their buttholes to stop babies from coming out. An eighth grader told me that. I'm having a party tomorrow. You in? Yeah. Can Thor and Lucas come? They're so random. They're my best friends. We do everything together. 
There's gonna be girls at the party. You know what that means? Drama. No, kissing. You do not want to go to Soren's party not knowing how to kiss. We could spy on my neighbor. She's a total nymphomaniac. She starts fires? No, she's a nymphomaniac. Someone who has sex on land and sea. I don't know if you know that. That's what a nymphomaniac is. They have sex on land and on sea. They're not the nymphomaniacs who start fires, OG. I'm not sure that I'm going to like this movie already. Are, are you kidding me? This movie created by uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg is all about life from the point of view of a sixth grader. And if you remember sixth grade, for me, sixth grade was the time that I was going into middle school. I was expected all of a sudden by everybody around me to know what kissing was all about. Obviously, they talk about what a tampon is. Probably don't know that. And what's funny is the information came from an eighth grader. And if you remember sixth grade, eighth graders knew everything about everything. So that was the truth. Obviously, none of it was right. So these kids decide that they need to know more about kissing. And uh, hilarity ensues, like finding one of the kids' dad's CPR dolls, which may or may not be a CPR doll in real life. And uh, finding other um, things that sixth graders just wonder about. And this inflection point of being an adult versus being a kid really has so many funny things that this is like the perfect, the perfect look at sixth grade by sixth graders, but written by adults. There is nothing, by the way... Let's make this clear. There is nothing at all in this movie for a sixth grader. So do not take your kid to see this movie. Of course, it's rated R, so you see that right away. There is nothing appropriate. Everything is completely inappropriate for sixth graders. However, looking back on my sixth grade experience, so much of this stuff rings true. Just the, the misunderstandings, the thinking you know what things mean, the fact that you you really want to know about stuff that later on is probably incredibly irrelevant. Having friends that don't get it as quickly as you want to get it and feeling like you're saddled with those friends or on the other side, having friends that your parents think are way too fast for you and they're going to get in trouble so you can't get in trouble like they get in trouble. You feel the pressure of the beginning of, uh, uh, of the path toward adulthood and the end of childhood, and these kids that are right on the brink. This movie was so damn funny. It got a great Rotten Tomato score for a comedy of 79%. I've always believed if you find a comedy that's over 50%, it's usually fantastic. 79%, almost 100, you know, as long as I've been following these scores. And I didn't even look at the score. I just heard so many people tell me they thought it was funny. And then afterwards, I went and looked at the score, and I went, yup. So if you liked, uh, if you liked, uh, well, the same guys that brought you super bad neighbors and sausage party. I think you saw neighbors and I saw super bad. I think I like this movie better than super bad. And I know for a lot of people are like, what? Super bad was incredible. Yeah, this movie. I like super bad. I thought, you know, that was a little bit more appropriate. I don't know, like those four jokes that you just told seem terribly inappropriate. And I it, it sounds really funny coming from me. <laughs> I'm sure the whole, the whole movie is inappropriate stuff out of sixth graders mouths. Yeah. Having a seventh grader and a fifth grader and a recent sixth grader, I guess none of the stuff that you talked about seems to be going on in my life. So sure. Dad. Sure. 
Yeah, no, that's good. You keep thinking that because I remember, I remember my sixth grade experience. Maybe out in the woods where you lived, and the idea, uh... the idea of a kissing party, and the fact that you might get an opportunity to kiss a girl, and what the hell's that like? And what if you can't kiss? What if you're not good at kissing? Like these kids are obsessed <laughs> with. I might stink at kissing. This might be the worst thing ever. So funny. As my kids are more worried about stinking at Fortnite presently, I think the kissing thing is long in the future. Whatever, Dad. I'm just telling you. Whatever. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.